On October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. It's October 3rd. The Oscar goes to... And the Grammy goes to... The winner is... 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 And the winner is... Or somebody can sing your luggage. Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Yes. Hello. Divas and Devos, welcome back to a brand new episode of Diva Dailies, a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film and TV. I'm your host, Steffi, and this is part two of our Mean Girls extravaganza. Before I continue with my introduction spiel here, if you guys aren't already following the podcast, make sure you're subscribed on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us. We're at DivaDailiesPod. You can also email us, DivaDailiesPod at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail message. We're 714-729-3121. And I'm just going to throw out as well, my personal social media that you can follow if you're interested. I'm at INN underscore MHO on Twitter and Instagram and in my humble opinion on YouTube. I'm throwing that out there because some of you over the time of, you know, having this podcast have reached out to me on the Instagram account or the Twitter account for the podcast. I'm going to be completely honest. I suck at social media for the podcast and um, so much so that I I don't check it quite often. So the best way you can get a speedy response from me is if you follow the personal accounts. Um, yeah, sorry about that if you ever DM'd me and I never got back to you, but yeah. Okay, so we're releasing this on Mean Girls Day. So happy Mean Girls Day. Happy October 3rd. Honestly, like I said in part one, was not planning on Mean Girls being covered over the course of two episodes. But Kristen and I just ended up talking about so much, not even just about the movie, but getting into today's episode, talking about Lindsay Lohan and all of the other women who were in the movie or part of the filmmaking process. We talked about a lot of different stuff. And then, of course, the legacy of Mean Girls. So basically what to expect in today's episode is all of the other segments that we normally would hit in a typical Diva Dailies episode. So yeah, that that's pretty much it. As an aside, I want to know from you guys if you like that this episode was split into two parts because there are some movies or TV episodes that we cover where there's so much to discuss about the actual movie or show and then when you get to talking about the quote-unquote diva of the week there's not really much to say or the inverse may happen where there's not much to say about the movie or show but then when you get to talking about the diva you're like "Ooh, wow there's so much to cover here. I feel like there's a rare occurrence where you do have so much to say about the movie and then you also have a lot to say about the diva and this was one of those times. So I just want to know, please do not be afraid to slide into the DMs or shoot me an email or I don't know, tweet me or something. Your thoughts on potential episodes of Diva Dailies being cut into. I'm not saying every future episode of Diva Dailies is going to necessarily be cut in this way, but for the movies or TV episodes where it can be necessary, how do you feel about this being cut into two episodes? Because I'm going to be completely honest, there's been a lot of episodes that we have done previously where I have cut out quite a bit, and um, it was because I was trying to fit it into one episode, and sometimes I think about those those conversations that were cut. So um, let me know, please, how you feel about this being cut into two parts. But um, yes, okay, so without further ado, let's just move on to the rest of the episode. Here is part two of our Mean Girls discussion. Again, happy Mean Girls Day. I hope you enjoyed part one. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy part two. Yeah, yeah, on independence. Yeah, yeah, on borderline. Yeah, 
right, so let's move on to our next segment then. This is Popcorn and Pop Stars. This is a segment where we talk about where the diva was at this point in her career when she made the movie and potentially why she did the movie. Oh my goodness, I have so much here for Lindsay Lohan, but Kristen, what do you have for Miss Lindsay? Well, I feel like this was a very popular time in Lindsay Lohan's career. You know, I feel like she had done hit after hit after hit yeah. from The Parent Trap. So if, if your mom is my mom, and my dad is your dad and we're both born on october 11 then you and i are like like sisters sisters hallie we're like twins life size you can't be i'm eve and you're my special friend Freaky Friday to Mean Girls and Mm -hmm. I think that she did this movie because Freaky Friday was such a success and she had worked with that director on Freaky Friday and then worked on Mean Girls with him. Yeah. Freaky Friday is her like highest grossing film of her career so I feel like if I were her I would have wanted to work with that director again too and then Mean Girls became like such a critical and commercial and cult classic success that it was a no-brainer. I mean like not that you know that Mean Girls is going to become that but I think based off of the team that you're with this director and you know Tina Fey I think you know this was her first time writing a film but she was really funny and, and came off of SNL so I would have Definitely jumped at the opportunity if I were Mm -hmm. a young Lindsay Lohan rising star. Although, do you feel also that this was maybe kind of one of the best, but also one of the last great moments in Lindsay's career? Mm, Well, you ask a really valid question, Kristen, because I... Whoa! Okay, I have a bit of a hot take in that I will say... That I think Mean Girls is one of the best things to have happened to Lindsay Lohan, but it was also kind of one of the worst things that happened to Lindsay Lohan. Oh, why? I feel like it's been a while on this podcast since we've had a movie and there's like a story that goes with the movie. I feel like doing Mean Girls was kind of like the kiss of death, (laughs) which kind of sounds like a bit dramatic, but okay, I'll set the scene. So 2003, like Kristen said, Lindsay Lohan does Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis. And that's a movie directed by Mark Waters, who also directs Mean Girls. And it's a Disney movie. So I'm in your body. Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, I'm like the Crypt Keeper. Honey, could you like chill for a sec? And I feel like this point in Lindsay Lohan's career, she's like 17. She's about to turn 18. And this is the era where she is transitioning out of Disney child star and cementing her status as a teen idol. Yeah, this was her first non-Disney movie. In 2004, the first movie that she does of the year is Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. And that's a Disney movie. Legendary. Life can be so randomly beautiful. Lindsay Lohan, get ready. A star is about to be born. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. I guess it was like critically panned at the time, but it still was really popular with the audience it was trying to appeal to. So like young girls, young boys, families. So like the movie did what it was supposed to do. But then after Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, she does Mean Girls. And this is like the movie that really made her a huge, inescapable, like teen idol of the time. Uh, Teen movie queen, Lindsay Lohan is on... uh... Lindsay's on the cover of everything. He's on the interview. There she is on 17. And of course, my Bible, your prom magazine. Everywhere you look, Lindsay Lohan is right there. She's on the cover of the magazines. In fact, we had a sort of experiment, right? We did. One of our staff went out and bought all the teen magazines right. that he could find in a very extensive newsstand. And he was trying to find a magazine that didn't have an article on <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. Couldn't do it. Could not 
do it. No, Every single one of these magazines has <laughs> an article on you, Lindsay. You. So it's just like, wow, Lindsay is everywhere. And this movie also, importantly, matured Lindsay Lohan's image in the public eye. So paparazzi started to follow her around. A lot of the paparazzi, if yeah. I don't stand to take shots when I'm like putting gas in my car, they're like, oh, don't be a mean girl, Lindsay, smile at us. I'm like, I'm getting gas for my car. Like, what's the big deal? Now you were telling me in the break, what happened? A paparazzi guy chased you just yesterday? Yeah, it happens every day. It's like if what? you drive on Sunset, they're yeah. bound to start following you or Robertson Boulevard. I mean, is that, don't you get scared? I mean, I know. was scared and I was so aggravated by it yesterday. I was just like, leave me alone. And again, we have to remember, this is pre-social media, even pre-TMZ and Perez Hilton. Because I looked up like out of curiosity, like, oh, when did TMZ come out? So I guess TMZ came out 2005 and then Perez Hilton came out like in 2006 and 2000, or 2007, like in the mid 2000s. So like TMZ, Perez Hilton are still not on the scene yet. So the thing that's kind of like ruling celebrity culture is the tabloid magazines like Us Weekly and People and The Inquirer and The Sun, like they're all very popular. And if you watch like a lot of the interviews that Lindsay was doing during this time, so many of them bring up like- A lot of things were being said, a lot of rumors were being spread about me with- they said you were 23 and saying of I'm 23 the breast <laughs> implants and then my father and it's just like you know what every it's okay because it proves that I'm a normal person there's things that are half of its lies anyway and they still go on every day I guess at the time one of the big rumors was that she was dating Wilder Valderrama even though like she was 17 and he was 24 at the time are you still seeing the guy from the 70s show we're friends oh we're, we're friends you're not like dating or anything <laughs> That means yes. No, I'm J Jay, it's not legal. He's oh. 24. Let's get 17. him thrown in jail. What do I care? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're very good friends. Very he's good a dear friends. friend to me. Okay. I care for him very much. So you'll be 18 in a month. So he just... I'll come back on the show when I'm 18. We'll see where things are at with everything. Yeah, that'd be perfect, actually. I'd... Well, never mind about my mind. And then, like, another thing, too, was I guess her father was in the news a lot. As we know, what a season this is for you. And then we have read about your dad and the altercation and all of the publicity about that this morning. His saying that his daughter does support him. Tell me, give me your comment on it. What do you say to each other at home? Um, I don't know. It's everyone goes through things. And I think... It's it's so weird that people write about it and stuff and it's in the papers, but I guess it shows that I'm a real person and I deal with things that other people do. And he's my father and my mom is my mom and they're my family, but it's kind of a personal issue, so. Also, in 2004, like, I think this is, like, immediately following the success of Mean Girls, like, she goes on to host the MTV Movie Awards. Hey, everyone! Wow, I'm so excited. I cannot believe I'm hosting the MTV Movie Awards. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, these are my parents, Donald and Judy Lowen. Hi, gang. <laughs> it is always so nice to meet Lindsay's friends. MTV said they had to be here with me, you know, since I'm not 18 yet. She's the youngest host they've ever had. Anyway, I know this is kind of weird, but, you know, they promised they wouldn't get in the way, so. Oh, uh, you kids won't even know we're here. Then, also in 2004, she hosted Saturday Night Live. There's this one skit that she does, like, it's a Harry Potter skit, and basically, like, the gist of it is, like, she plays Hermione, and the joke is that, like, Hermione has matured, so, like, when she comes on the screen, her cleavage is kind of, like, out. I got here hours ago. I've been in the library researching cloaking spells. <laughs> <laughs> That's the like really interesting thing about watching Lindsay Lohan at this point in her career because she's like in the middle of the bridge of I'm leaving my Disney child star persona but then at the same time I'm trying to build like this more adult mature image for myself and while all of that is happening the media is just like scrutinizing her every single move and they're being like so hypercritical of her and like you know bringing up all of these different rumors. You know that you are probably... The subject of more internet gossip, like I keep hearing about all this plastic surgery that you've had. Is any of this true? No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun though to read it. If they're gonna like yeah. point anything out. Like what have you had done according to them? Um, breast implants. 
My, I have a 10-year-old sister, and she reads these magazines now because she hears that I'm in them through her friends. Right. And they're 10 in school reading this, which scares me. But she reads this, and she called me crying, and she was like, <clears throat> I hear that you got, you know, Pamela Anderson things done to you. I was like, <laughs> like I haven't seen my family in a Pamela few weeks. Pamela Anderson things done to you? Wow. Yeah. I know some guys have had that, but I never heard of a woman have <laughs> Pamela Anderson She's dead. things. She doesn't know how to word oh. things. Speaking of rumors, she ends the year 2004 releasing her debut album, Speak, and she has that song called Rumors. Great song. Jam. She also ends the year by making an appearance on Saturday Night Live on Weekend Update with her co-stars of Mean Girls, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Their whole like skit is like, oh, we're going to be role models for Lindsay Lohan because Lindsay Lohan needs guidance because Lindsay Lohan is kind of like beginning to lose it. So Lindsay, we are very worried about you. Okay, what's going on? Nothing. Everything's great. <laughs> are you eating? Yeah, I'm eating. Okay, because you know what? These are Misha Barton arms. Yeah, and I don't like that. I think Lindsay Lohan should have Lindsay Lohan arms. I've just been really busy working on my movie, Herbie, and my album, Speak. Okay, let's talk about this album. You are a very good singer. That is true. You have a lovely voice, but you are such a good actress. I don't want to hear that you're neglecting your acting. <laughs> Amy, I'm not neglecting my acting. I mean, a lot of actors my age have albums. Everyone's doing it. If Hilary Duff jumped off a bridge, would you want to do that too? <laughs> no. Duh. Duh? With all of that being said, would you consider this era of Mean Girls peak Lindsay? Oh, yeah. This is the peak, I think. This is the highest point. And then... <laughs> yeah, this is as high she goes. <laughs> and then after that, it's kind of like Herbie fully loaded. I remember watching Just My Luck. After that, I kind of like wasn't really watching any of her other projects. Yeah. I do remember, though, like when Liz and Dick was coming out in 2012... Ooh. I remember that being like a big like, oh my god, this is her comeback, and then it like didn't really perform well. Madame, madame, oh god, do you have your now? Do you? Can't you leave us alone? I guess when she did that famous interview with Oprah in the 2010s at some point, she told Oprah like, you know, a lot of the money that she made from Mean Girls and the movies that were really popular during this time, like she would use a lot of that money for like drugs and alcohol and like partying. Are you an addict? Yeah. And what is it you are addicted to? What is what is your drug of choice or drugs of choice? Alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. Because that's and that's that in the past was a gateway to other things for me. Um, other things. Like? I'd never abused. I tried cocaine with alcohol, mm -hmm. and I'd never. That's done when those you were arrested the first time, drink. correct? Yeah, possession. Yeah, with possession. Yes. Um, and then and I read that you said that you really hadn't done cocaine but three or four times. I really hadn't done it. I really haven't done it more than 10 to 15 times. Of course, I said three or four. I was terrified mm -hmm. of judging, being judged. Mm -hmm. um, so what is the truth? I've done it like 10 to 15 times. Um, and Do you it's enjoy always, doing it? Everything's come. Do you enjoy no. doing it? Mm -hmm. No. I never so felt good the it? next day. It why never, do you Because it allowed me to drink more. I think that's why I did it. Again, like, she's, like, in the middle of towing the line between Disney child star and, like, I want to be taken seriously as, like, an adult actress. And when she was promoting Mean Girls especially, because it's, like, the themes of Mean Girls and whatnot, she was asked so many times about, like, what advice would you have for teenage girls watching this movie and all of that stuff? What advice would you give uh, kids in school? Because it really is. It's hard. I think it's a really hard time for kids to... Uh... It is. It's so much... Like, my little sister's 10 and just, like, the things she goes through with being nice to people and they're like, no, don't talk to her. I don't like the way she dresses. But you just kind of have to be yourself and don't try to change who you are to be accepted because obviously someone will like you for you and that's the only reason that you should have good friends anyways because they're your friend and they don't care how you really, you know what I mean? You kind of like see her sort of facing the pressures of being a quote-unquote teen role model but also at the same time like you get the sense that Lindsay Lohan really wants to like live her adult life, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that was kind of like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> People just, I guess when you're at an age where you're gonna be a little, you know when you're 18 it's different than being 
under 18 because you can do certain things. Yeah, it's weird because it's just a so, couple months difference, right? Yeah, people kind of find things to write about you and make you feel bad. But. What is it? Because I was doing a lot of bad things when I was 17 years <laughs> old. And, I mean, is there anything like that? You're, are you looking forward to turning 18 so that you, it's not such a big story that it's... Um, I don't, I don't know. Now, I hear you like to party. Is that true? <laughs> I'm 17. I think it's normal for 17. I'm going to be 18 in less than a month. Yeah, it's oh, fun okay. to go out. <laughs> going off of what you were saying, that makes me think of two things. One is that these people are asking her about her experience growing up. I'm sure that she did not have a typical high school experience, you know, yeah. to even relate to with Mean Girls or Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen or Freaky Friday, you know, I'm sure she grew up probably homeschooled or something like that, right? Because mm -hmm. she's a big star from even just The Parent Trap in 1998, she already had like made a big name for herself. And then also, it just makes you think about all the like Disney stars and how difficult that must be to grow up yeah. in that kind of limelight, you know, and kind of grow up really early being like the breadwinner for your family, you know, with oh, your yeah. big successful career and, mm -hmm. you know, seeing how all these other Disney stars have transitioned from like their squeaky clean personas to their more adult personas. And some of them are able to do it and some of them struggle and aren't able to do it or go down these darker paths and... It's really kind of sad to see. I guess it depends on like what you have around you and what kind of experiences you're going through. And I don't know, it just makes you think about like the Hillary Duffs and the um, yeah. Miley Cyruses and Demi mm -hmm. Lovato and, mm -hmm. and all these people that have grown up in that kind of limelight. A lot of stuff went on when I was young with my family and I grew up in a very chaotic home and there were moments of everything just being wonderful and perfect and then things being so uncontrollable and chaotic that you know it's something that people go through and unfortunately I waited too long to face it even though I've been going to see a therapist for years and years I was going to ask you this as you were talking about going back you know the six times that you've been to rehab and all of the dysfunction around you and chaos do you think you are or were addicted to chaos I think so yeah really it was a comfortable chaos for me. I just think about how, like, imagine being, I mean, how old was she in The Parent Trap? I feel like she was, like, what, 11, 10? Yeah, so imagine being, like, from that young of an age and growing up in this big spotlight. I feel like you grow up in a way that the world is not how other people experience it. Mm -hmm. You must grow up in just, like, this world that is so different than, like, what I experienced because you're kind of given all of this stuff or, or you're put in these situations that, like, who knows what's really going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, fame in and of itself is a very difficult thing to navigate for anyone. Even if you're an adult, like, that's a really difficult way of life to navigate. But then you throw in the fact that, like you said, you're a child. Yeah, you're not, like, a fully formed person <laughs> yet. Yeah. And then also her family has always kind of been in the news and I've like watched some interview clips where she talks about her family and it kind of seems like it might have been an exploitive mm -hmm. situation there. Lindsay grew up in Long Island, the oldest of four children. When she was just four years old, her father, Michael, served jail time in a stock fraud case. Since then, he's been arrested more than nine times. Lindsay's mother, Dina, has often been targeted by the tabloids, accused of mismanaging her daughter's career and partying with Lindsay when she was underage. After nearly 22 years of a rocky marriage, Lindsay's parents officially divorced in 2007. You know, the perception in the public, I think, um, to a great extent, is that your parents have exploited you and taken advantage of you. Do you feel that at all? No, nobody's perfect. You know, um, I love my parents, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say that it hasn't, you know, certain situations I would have preferred to have been handled differently. Mm -hmm. um, certain things I would have preferred to be been kept within my family mm -hmm. in private. I don't know. I feel like people, unless you were, like, around during this time, people really forget, like, how big Lindsay Lohan was. Yeah. As we said, America is in love with Lindsay Lohan, and so it proclaims in the latest interview magazine. We'll talk about your movie Mean Girls, which is this huge, huge hit, and uh, all the kids love you, and all the perverts around this office love you, too. <laughs> you are not only in the news. We went out to see if we could find a single oh, teen gosh. magazine. 
which did not have you in. And we failed. I'm not kidding. This was like a professional exercise here. You're popping up everywhere on the cover of uh, Us Weekly, ladies and gentlemen. Take a look at this shot. Oh, yeah. Teens gone wild. Look who's in the middle. Lindsay in the middle. You're America's most popular teenager. You really are. You're on everything now. You're on the 17. You're on the Us Weekly. I've got to buy you these magazines. I learned things about myself in these magazines, and the best is Us Weekly and Star. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and she was huge, and and it, sometimes it's so interesting to me to like look back at these things and be like, actually, her career was really at its peak from 1998 to 2004, five. Yeah. Just to see like the impact that she's had and that her films have had, it's like kind of crazy that that was kind of the peak time because mm -hmm. I don't know, it just feels longer. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like if anything, her like quote unquote team, like because Lindsay Lohan was just like so popular at the time, they were trying to like capitalize on said popularity and they were kind of like, just keep booking her for like the next movie and the next movie and the next movie instead of like giving her like, that period of time to like, you know, live her life mm -hmm. which is like sad in retrospect because i feel like because she didn't have that period of time where she could just like quote unquote be i i don't know like she kind of like acted out in a way well it's good to have you back here i was worried about you oh. young lady i wasn't I getting my rest last october in the hospital for about five days yeah. you just pushed too hard yeah i was just over scheduling myself and overworking myself and not taking care of my health and not sleeping or eating right and but i think i think in hollywood it's very hard for people especially my age with the huge phenomenon that there is with all these younger performers um, to say no than it is to say yes because you feel like, you know, I could lose it at any time. Sure. So you just take everything as it comes. Who is it? Mrs. Potts, dear. I thought you might like a spot of tea. I guess we can move on to Spill the Technicolor Tea. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. This is a segment where we talk about any gossip, controversy, drama at the time, or just fun facts regarding the movie. So what do you have? Some fun facts I had about this movie was that Tina Fey confessed that she really liked Jonathan Bennett as Aaron Samuels because he kind of looked like Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. Uh -huh. Another fun fact is that this was Tina Fey's feature film screenwriting debut. Mm -hmm. And she slayed it. Oh my goodness. So this was your first screenplay. Yeah, first and so far only uh, screenplay, weirdly enough. But um, but yeah, this is the first thing. I wrote it. I was writer at SNL and I saw this article in the New York Times about a woman named Ross Wiseman who had written this book called Queen Bees and Wannabes, which was a serious book about relational aggression. And I was like, I want to make a movie of that. And they let me. And not only did they let you, as I understand it, they never brought in another writer, which is like a very Hollywood thing to do. It's not even an insult, but they usually bring in other yeah. writers and they polish the script. But you, they just said, no, you do it. And they didn't have anyone else touch it. Yeah, that is really rare, especially at that time. This awesome woman named Sherry Lansing, who ran Paramount Pictures at the time, she never took it away from me. I was a first-time screenwriter. A lot of times they'll bring in, like, well, they're going to give these two older guys fix it, you know. <laughs> and I think that's part of why the movie kind of worked for people is that it had one writer's voice you know it's a it's it's a real good thing that let writers do their thing just another thing that i thought was really interesting was that this was like a lot of people's like beginning of their career kind of movies like yeah. this is the first time amanda seafried was on screen in a movie this was mm -hmm. her first film role which i thought was really cool this was like the third movie that lizzie kaplan had done it's the second movie that tina fey had been in but the first one she wrote lacey Chabert had been in a bunch of things and had done a lot of animated things i feel like this was one of the few first times that we'd seen her like physically acting like she had done a lot of voice acting she was young anastasia singing voice in anastasia mm. she was um in american tale the spin-off movies for feifel she was the voice of eliza thornberry and so i'd actually never seen her physically acting before until this movie so i thought that was interesting it's so interesting when you think back like in 2004 you can arguably say that Lindsay lohan was the biggest star oh like in this movie oh yeah because you know what i thought was crazy was like like Rachel McAdams is amazing in everything that she's been in, but before Mean Girls, like the only movie that I had ever like seen her in was The Hot Chick, which was an awesome movie. Mm -hmm. Before that, she'd done like two other movies that like I don't really know. My name is Tonino and Perfect Pie. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. But then after it was like The Hot Chick, which I felt like was very underrated, and I feel like not many people really talk about that movie. Mm -hmm. And then it was like Mean Girls, The Notebook, Wedding Crashers. Like, yeah. Right after that, it was like she kept going. And so to know that this was like one of her first roles, essentially. Like, yeah. 
She killed it. Yeah, like, oh, you guys. Like, I feel like Rachel McAdams is kind of underappreciated, honestly. For me, I would say. She's amazing. Rachel McAdams should be doing, like, so much more. I'm not quite sure if, like, that was, like, a personal choice of her to, like, kind of take a seat back. But if you were around in the mid-2000s, like, Rachel McAdams was really, like, an it girl. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like her career has has kept going and, like, been very strong. Mm -hmm. She was in Doctor Strange in 2016. She was in Game Night in 2018, which was so funny. If you haven't seen Game Night. Oh, yeah. And then Eurovision Song Contest that came out this year, the Will Ferrell movie, I actually really loved it and I thought she was my favorite part and that mm-hmm. that was one of the movies I was like wow she can really do everything she really can I don't know if like maybe the notebook set this precedent but I strangely I don't feel this way about the notebook but I do feel this way about some of the other roles she had done since then is I feel like some of the roles that she does end up playing in a lot of her movies she's either like girlfriend of or like wife of Mm. and because of that it's like she kind of takes like a second seat or a back seat to her male co-star in the movie But that's why I really love watching her specifically in Mean Girls because yes, even though like, you know, there's the whole like Aaron Samuels bit and then she like has another boyfriend at one point in this movie, like she stands alone Mm -hmm. as like Regina George. (laughs) You're just like, oh my God, she's so good. Even though like, yeah, she's like in a lot of like great movies. I feel like she tends to get lost when she's with her male co-star, but it's like, don't forget Rachel McAdams. She's like, really good justice for rachel that's true i mean this is definitely her most iconic role i Mm -hmm. think out of all the ones that she's done yeah like a hundred percent but you know yeah and i guess i I see what you're saying but yeah she she really is a a good actress yeah Um, have you ever seen um about time no but is that another because didn't she play in two movies about time travel and she was like the girlfriend yes okay so she was in the time traveler's wife which i haven't seen that but she like you know i think she's the time traveler's wife in that movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's the wife but she was also in about time and that's another movie where i'm like she is kind of relegated to being like girlfriend slash wife of domo gleason's character Mm -hmm. and you're just like oh rachel mcadams you're so good and it's like i want more for you Yeah, they need to do, like, some movie that's just around her and, like, who cares about the husband or boyfriend. Yeah. So, uh, justice for Rachel. And then for Amanda Seyfried, I found an interview that she did in, like, 2015 where she was, like, promoting Ted 2. And she talked about how, like, she got pigeonholed as the dumb blonde after doing Mean Girls. Yeah, you know, at first I did Mean Girls and I was, like, pigeonholed as this dumb blonde. And um, I didn't, I had opportunities, but not as many as I do now. And I know that there's a lot of reasons for that, but I've been doing this for over 10 years, yeah. 12, 13, 14 years. And um, whew. <laughs> and I feel like I'm just now getting the respect that I feel like I've, I've been wanting yeah. for so long. Really? Because I can't even think of any movies that she's done after Mean Girls where she plays the dumb character. I don't know. Maybe that's just like how she perceived the character she was playing. I feel like she started playing like a lot of like romantic comedy type of roles like Mamma Mia. Oh yeah. Dear John, Letters to Juliet. I mean, and Jennifer's Body. Like, Mm -hmm. I think she was playing like the nerdy girl. Right. The smart nerdy girl. Les Mis, which I feel like she was miscast in, but. (laughs) (laughs) For Tina Fey, I have here. Oh my God. Okay. So Tina Fey was, I did not realize this, but I guess she was the first head female writer of Saturday Night Live starting in 1999. Yeah. She was still the head writer of Saturday Night Live when she was doing Mean Girls. And while she was working on SNL, she would drive from New York to Toronto to film Mean Girls. And I was working across the street at SNL and I would go to Toronto to shoot the movie. uh, And I would drive overnight to Toronto. (laughs) Why? Do SNL and like get in a camper and be driven. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Just roughing it. Just roughing it. Hitting the truck stops in between here and there. There's an eight hour drive to go to from New York to Toronto. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know. That's an eight hour drive. I, I found an interview where she was talking about the book, Queen Bees and Wannabes, Helping Your Daughters Survive Clicks, Gossip, Boyfriends, and Other Realities of Adolescence. Whoa, that's a mouthful. She was talking about that book in some of the interviews she was doing. And so that book is a nonfiction book. It's a sociology guide for parents on how to help their daughters. And when Tina Fey had like committed to making a movie based on this book, like right after, she kind of had like a 
oh shit moment because she realized like how am I supposed to make a full-on narrative story based off of this non-fiction book but she made it work. The original source material for the movie is this book called Queen Bees and Wannabes by a woman named Rosalind Wiseman and it's a sociology book that she wrote after working in high schools for years and she continues to do this work. Rosalind will tell you that it just was so many years of parents asking her questions and saying like could I just grab you for a second that she finally thought I just need to write a book so that I can get my free time back um, answering parents' questions of how to navigate their daughters through this tricky time, which now begins in like third grade sometimes and, <laughs> and sometimes doesn't end until you're 60, depending on your personality, right? You don't know how to, to relax and trust other women until you, until you do. And for some people, it goes their whole life. Yeah, Tina Fey. This like really launched her career too, because I feel like if it wasn't, for the success of Mean Girls, she then would have not had the opportunity to do 30 Rock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that kind of launched her career too. Yeah, because it's like not only was she writing, but she acted in it too. And she played like a reasonably large role in the film. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would do if I was if I was a writer. I'd write myself into mm-hmm. my project. Yeah. I mean, so many of the writers now are doing that, so... Yeah. You know, and what's really interesting is, like, I feel like a lot of the SNL crew, they'll, like, write films and projects and other things and cast each other in them. I know! These SNL ladies, like, they really look out for each other. Like, did you ever watch that movie Wine Country? I saw I saw a little bit of it. It's not very good. Yeah, it's not very good. But I mean, like, they're all together, so. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they had a great time. They're probably like, guys, what would be more fun than having us all get together and just drink wine, but, like... Make it a movie. We'll make money. <laughs> yeah. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. So let's move on to Tinseltown Showdown. This is the segment where we talk about any potential people who may have been up for the role at one point or another. So Kristen, who do you have? What was interesting about this project was that originally Lindsay Lohan was going to play Regina Mm -hmm. and then they switched it up because they were like okay let's have her play the nice girl so that the public wouldn't like think that she was like Regina yeah and then they were like okay we'll have Rachel McAdams play the mean girl Uh, according to one of the producers they said that's because only nice girls can play mean girls oh (laughs) so what is that what are they saying though (laughs) it's like it's a compliment to Rachel McAdams but also it's kind of like a backwards compliment (laughs) to Lindsay Lohan what are you trying to say producer you know that's so interesting though that you bring that up because there were some interviews that I was watching of Lindsay during the time and like there was this one instance where she got punked oh yeah MTV punk yeah have you ever been punked has that ever happened I was punked, yeah, so that's why I was... I'm, I'm, now, I'm what was yours? Cautious. Was it mean one or was it a funny one? Um, it wasn't that bad. They, I actually was making fun of a lot of, like, people that work on the show <laughs> that were there that I'm friends with, and um, they, didn't, they didn't air it. They cut it out. But, oh, oh. It's always scary because, like, you're like, what did I say? I don't even know what I said oh. about the people. So you're not so, oh, so you're like the mean girl. It's almost no, like mean girls. No, huh? mean wow. girl. Huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. So a lot of the interviews at the time, people were like, oh, so are you like a mean girl in real life? Like it was just interesting. <laughs> well, maybe maybe she just was like freaked out. I mean, you are being punked, you know? Maybe it's like, yeah. ah, what, what's going on? Some other ones that I found interesting. Amanda Seyfried, they also were going to maybe have her play Katie, but then they were like, oh, we think you'd be better as... The dumb girl, according to Lauren Michaels. Uh-huh. So that's in quotes. That's that's what he called her. That's kind of shady. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's a lot of shade, it sounds like, in this uh, project. And then also Scarlett Johansson was up for the role of Karen. Mm-hmm. Also, Ashley Tisdale was up for the role of Karen as well, which I don't know. For me, Ashley Tisdale is someone that I picture younger. So, I mean, yeah. I think they might even be the same age. But, like, I just think, like, oh, you're too young to be in this movie. You wouldn't yeah. have even been in high school yet, right? Or no, she probably was. But in my head, you pick, like, a time period of, like, an actor or, like, celebrity's work. And that's just, like, all you remember is, like, oh, but you're, like, this person, right? Mm-hmm. You think about, too, like, Ashley Tisdale kind of went on to play a sort of, like, mean girl in High School Musical with Sharpay. Another iconic mean girl, I would say. Yeah, like, similarly to you, I can't picture Ashley Tisdale doing what Amanda Seyfried did with, like, Karen Smith, because I feel like Ashley Tisdale's, like, form of acting, like, she's very, like... Kind of Disney. Yeah, it's, like, very Disney, kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. And Karen Smith is, like, not that, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
it's like still more serious like this is not a disney movie Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for aaron samuels who was played by jonathan bennett i have here that james franco at one point Mm. was up for discussion which would have been interesting for regina i don't know how true this is because i was listening to a podcast and they said like this was the story so apparently both Amanda Seyfried and Rachel McAdams, like, they auditioned. But when Lindsay was screen tested with Rachel McAdams and then she screen tested with Amanda Seyfried, casting people could tell that Lindsay, for some reason, was more intimidated by Rachel McAdams than she was by Amanda. Well, I could see that also being that this was Amanda Seyfried's, like, first role Mm -hmm. yeah maybe she was like not as intimidating because this was like one of her first yeah and she's like a little bit more experienced than amanda Mm -hmm. and i also have here too like i think like part of the reason as well was Lindsay lohan again was 17 at the time when she was doing mean girls yet when rachel mcadams did mean girl she was like 25 yeah so she probably had more of like a just like a presence yeah i mean if she did you, you could see it in the movie oh yeah for sure so i feel like maybe like there was like an age thing that she was perhaps like a little bit intimidated by like oh my gosh you're this 20 something and i'm only 17 no way i want to see the receipts I guess we'll move on to show me the receipts. So this is a segment where we talk stats of the movie. So what receipts do you have? This film got an 84% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So it is fresh. Nice. They got nominated for Teen Choice Awards and Movie Awards and Kids Choice Awards and People's Choice Awards and all this stuff. They won pretty big at the Movie Awards and the Teen Choice Awards. You know, because I think this was more of like for uh, the young people like that kind of MTV audience. That makes sense. In terms of box office, so Mean Girls was made on a budget of $17 million and it grossed $130 million at the box office. Did you ever think it would catch on the way it did? No, I mean, I was so excited that it was going to get made, right? And then it was going to be in the movie theater. I was, um, and then it kind of like paid for itself the first weekend, which, you know, in a baby way, I think it made like $24 million, which is like Avengers like sells that popcorn at one showing. But it was a huge triumph. And it was like a thing of like, it was all female leads. It was a, you know, it was a great surprise. So yeah, it did really well. Also, Tina Fey was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Writers Guild. She didn't win, but she was nominated. So that's pretty cool. Who beat her? I don't know. But I feel like, I don't know, whatever movie that was, like Mean Girls has stood the test of time. True. And then for Rotten Tomato score, like you already said, tomato meter 84%. Audience score 66%. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So audiences didn't like it as much as critics? I feel like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that audience score was brought down because of, like, angry men Mm. like you know like sometimes men just like to rag on like movies that center women yeah i feel like that's why that score is low honestly (laughs) if i'm being completely honest that's why i feel like that score is low (laughs) well i guess we will end on what is the impact of mean girls oh my gosh like this legacy man we could talk for an eternity we could do a whole nother episode on just the legacy (laughs) and the cultural impact of Mean Girls. Ugh. I mean, it became a pop culture phenomenon. Like, the gifts, the memes, the quotes. You even said October 3rd, Mean Girls Day. One of the most quotable movies, probably, of our time. Yeah. There's so many good moments and quotes in that. I mean, aside from, like, all the references in culture, like, you know, Mariah Carey has said she's a fan of the film. Honestly, yeah. when the movie was first released, I watched it literally every night. So this is not like I just... I'm quizzed I on this at so this much. Point. And then recently my my daughter, who's technically too young. No, I let my kids watch stuff like that too, though. My my daughters have seen it. My daughter's feel, obsessed with it. I love that. Apparently her Why Are You So Obsessed With Me was inspired by Regina George saying that in the movie. Oh my god, really? I don't know if that's true. Oh. But that's what Nick Cannon like said that the song was inspired by the movie. So I don't I don't know if that's like 100% true, but that is what Nick Cannon said. Couldn't get past Last man on the earth Still couldn't get this You're delusional You're 
song was inspired by her beef with Eminem. Well, I think the song was inspired by, but the line, why are you so obsessed with me? Oh, the actual line line. Okay. Yeah, supposedly that line itself. Lambs, let us know. <laughs> right? Let us know, lambs. Tell us the truth, you know. Janice was like weirdly jealous of him. Like if I would blow her off to hang out with Kyle, she'd be like, why didn't you call me back? And I'd be like, why are you so obsessed with me? President Obama got in on the joke one time, tweeting, Bo, stop trying to make Fetch happen. I think it reached peak almost preposterousness when the Obamas tweeted a picture of their dog saying, Bo, stop trying to make Fetch happen. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Well, he's got a ball on his mouth, I think. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, what's, what's going on? That's so funny. Everybody loves Mean Girls. And yeah. then not only that, you know, we already talked about Thank You Next, you know, the the references. There's actually a comic book sequel for the movie coming out. Oh, really? It's supposed to come out actually September 2020, so I'm not sure any update on it, but it's supposed to be Mean Girls senior year, and it's like a comic book sequel. Oh my. Also, there's supposed to be a Mean Girls pop-up restaurant coming out <gasps> called Fetch in 2020, but I don't know, you know, with everything that's going on, if that'll still happen. Where's that going to be? It said um, Santa Monica. <gasps> oh my god. So if, if it's open and it's near you, you need to go and like record it for us so we can all see. You guys, I will be the representative of the Diva Dailies podcast audience. And I will I will take the journey for all of us. Yes. And then I mean, like, there was a video game. There's a stage musical that Tina Fey even made her Broadway debut in. Her new Broadway show, Mean Girls, was just nominated for 12 Tony Awards. Did you week. say 12? 12. It's okay. unbelievable, including Best Musical and Best Book of a Musical. Yeah. The show is a stage adaptation of the hit 2004 movie, Mean Girls, which, by the way, Tina also you know, wrote. It's getting old. Come <laughs> on. I'm sorry, but enough. <laughs> I only have one thing and I just keep writing it. Not only that, but then they're even doing, a, which is, this is so confusing to me. I don't even like, I can't even comprehend it, but like <laughs> they're doing a movie adaptation of the musical. Oh, wait, that's weird. And Tina Fey is going to play her role again. Again, but in the musical version, I don't know if that's been done before. I feel like maybe it has, but I feel like there's like one other project that's done that, but I can't think of, of it right now. But it's like, this was a book that became a movie, movie. that became a stage musical that's now going to become a musical movie adaptation. <laughs> I'm shook. My brain is broken. Oh my How? gosh. Wow. That's very meta. Yeah. And I feel, like that, I feel like there's another project that's done that, but I can't think of what it is. Wow. But that's a lot. Like, that's... Wow. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. Well, Kristen clearly touched all the bases here. The footprint of Mean Girls is truly everywhere when it comes to pop culture and whatnot. I mean, I have here launched many careers. Again, crazy to think. In 2004, when this movie came out, Lindsay Lohan was arguably the biggest star in this movie. But then, of course, since then, we've gotten Rachel McAdams and Amanda Seyfried and Lizzie Kaplan and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and all of these, like, great women. Also, interestingly, while I was doing my notes last night, I realized all the movies we talked about in September were written by women. That's amazing! I know! Wow. I literally, like, I did not realize that until I was doing my notes. And I was just thinking, too, like, I think that's why all of these movies, but especially when it comes to Mean Girls and Tina Fey, of course, wrote it. Like, I think that's why it just feels so authentic and relatable because it wasn't like guys coming in trying to like write their take on high school girl world it was like no these are like women who've been there done that and now they're gonna write movies about like high school girls you know what i mean did it feel authentic to you like i don't know what it's like to be 17 but it, it seemed like when i saw this movie i kind of <laughs> liked it because it seemed to be first of all a female wrote it because a lot of times these teen comedies about girls you know, guys write them and they always yeah. have the stupid shower scene and all that kind of stuff because <laughs> guys are right. But this felt like women, girls, were really intimately involved in putting the movie together. You know what I mean? Well, I think that Tina Fey, kind of um, the writer, obviously, yeah. she, like, found a way of touching a spot where it was it's realistic. Kids are like this yeah. in high school. Girls do really go behind each other's backs if someone likes another guy, and yeah. they do really mean things. Another great example of why... It's great to have different voices coming in to write authentic stories, to write about your own experience. 
you know? Because I think these movies would not have been the same if they were written by men. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? I don't think they would have been as funny. I don't think they would have tackled these projects in the same way. So, wow. That is amazing. I, again, like, literally did not realize that until last night. And I feel like you probably just didn't realize that until now. No. But, like, maybe that's, like, on a subconscious level, that's why a lot of women and a lot of girls, they related to these movies because, like, we can kind of tell when it's coming from an authentic place. Yeah. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. I think so. Actually, that makes me think of this article that um, I had read recently about female critics and kind of like percentages and stuff Mm. of like how it's like kind of broken down. And it was saying that like most of the time films that are led by women or that are directed by women are more favorably reviewed by women, which I think makes so much sense. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not as many female critics compared to men, which is apparently, for 2020, they said men are 65% of critics and women are 35% of all film critics. Mm. And that goes up from last year where women were 34% of all film critics. Mm. It went up 1%. So it's kind of crazy. But um, I do think like as a girl, woman, person, um, (laughs) that I feel more drawn to projects led by women. Yeah. Acting Mm -hmm. wise or written wise or directed wise, you know, like I feel more of a connection to like those characters. Not to say that, I, you know, I'm not connected to guy characters because I think that stories are universal that like you can be connected to any sort of storyline. But I do... I think find myself drawn a little bit more to stories about women. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, not to alienate, like, because I do know we, we have a lot of male listeners for the podcast as well, not to alienate them. But I feel like that's for me, like, that's one of the reasons why I like really wanted to do this podcast was to create a platform where it's like a girl and you know another girl or like you know even like a girl and a guy but like to have a female perspective on movies or shows that center on female stories. Mm-hmm. There's just certain nuances that you pick up on when you're watching like a story that centers on women. Yeah, and I, I think that's the case with a lot of different, like not just stories around women, but stories around people of color. Like, yeah, I feel like I've said this so many times in so many different places, but the show The Bold Type, mm. the storyline they did with Alicia D's character, she's a black actress who felt that her character wasn't being written authentically as a black woman herself and she spoke out about it and watching the first season there were moments where I was like this is weird why would a black woman confront a police officer Mm. in this day and age and feel like that's something that she would feel comfortable doing you know like it's just things like that that like you can tell that a a black writer did not write that storyline because she wouldn't have felt comfortable I mean look at the world we're living in and the police brutality we're dealing with like it doesn't make sense for that character to be like yeah I'm gonna just walk up to a police officer and yell at him yeah no Mm -hmm. you know and it's like those little things like if you had a black writer or a you know multiple black writers in a room they would have been able to tell you that and then it doesn't make the story feel so unrealistic Mm -hmm. when you have someone to check those moments that don't make sense then you'll get a story that's more authentic that people are like oh yeah i relate to this i connect to this but when you don't, then it's like, I don't know what I'm watching. Like, this this isn't how the world works. Right. Absolutely. That just goes to show, like, again, like, why it's so important for you to have, like, diverse people, not just, like, on screen, but also behind the camera, whether that's, like, in the writing room or, like, they're directing or they're, like... I don't know, DPing and part of different departments. Like, it's so important if you're going to reflect a certain experience for that also to be reflected behind the camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking here, like the Rotten Tomatoes score, like it has a high critical review on the tomato meter, but like the audience score is like strangely, I feel like for me, that's strangely low mm-hmm. for Mean Girls considering how revered it is. And I won't be surprised if it's maybe because not a lot of women are reviewing it you know so yeah because i feel like i have not met a girl who does not like mean girls true i don't know one i don't know them and i don't want to know them um (laughs) (laughs) i mean the last thing let's see here i mean very generally like literally defined a generation if the 80s had the breakfast club and heathers and the 90s they had clueless like in the 2000s like we had mean girls that's our movie for me a huge reason why like the story of mean girls is 
classic is even though there are these like very dated pop culture reference in the movie like I think at its core the story of Mean Girls is really like a movie about how girls relate to each other and to themselves and you know even though like the boys and the popularity are part of the story like they're not the story like the story is like the girls in the movie and that's like an idea that's going to like stay relevant forever no matter what generation watches it so yeah mean girls there we go iconic coming soon to theaters all right you guys we've now come to coming attractions oh this is so bittersweet because while i am excited about a new month new theme for the podcast i'm oh so sad that back to school divas has now come to an end I will say, I feel like aside from the first 13 episodes where those were movies that featured women who, when you say the word diva, those are typically the women that you think of. Once we started getting down to specific themes, I feel like September was my favorite theme, Back to School Divas. I remember being so proud when I pitched that theme to Lisa literally a year ago now. So, um, uh, back to school divas, man, what a chapter, what an era for the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the content for September, but now we are in October, which means a new month, a new theme, of course. And as I'm sure you guys can predict, since it's October, we're going to be doing Halloween horror divas so i'm going to now be playing a clip from the first horror diva movie that we will be covering in the month of october so let's see if you guys can figure this one out oh look look where behind the bush I don't see anything. Can you drove by so fast that when you yelled at? Settle, isn't he? Well, Kristen, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we touched upon a lot of topics. Wow, I feel like we like wrote like a senior thesis on Mean Girls just now. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to add before I let you go? I hope that we begin to get a resurgence in films like these. I feel like the movies that we've talked about during our our little high school. <laughs> arc of films this month they were so iconic they were so good but um I feel like we don't necessarily have these kinds of movies anymore you know like yeah or or they're Mm -hmm. not as popular as they used to be and I hope that we get a teen comedy resurgence soon because there is something very like kind of circle of life like I said about Mean Girls but also circle of life about the idea of these like teen films and you know maybe we we're about to get our new circle you know and like create a new fresh set of stories for another generation you know I think I'm sure that yeah. the generation now teen movies would be very different than what we grew up with. Yeah hmm we'll see I guess only time time can tell what the 2020s have in store for us but Mm -hmm. my gosh well you guys class is officially over (laughs) the bell has rung for the final time we are now graduating from high school and back to school divas has now come to an end i definitely want to do back to school divas again at some point because this is such a fun theme i don't know when it's gonna happen but yeah uh, it was so fun and it was just so fun having you Kristen, along for the ride thank you for having me it's always fun to dig deep into these movies with you mm-hmm. it was so fun to get to talk with someone who like you know we more or less like grew up around the same era in this age of like wonderful teen comedies chick flicks if you will and to kind of look back on it and reflect together it was it was a very fun enlightening experience so yay <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, Kristen, if the people want to keep following you, where can they find you on social media? You can find me on youtube.com slash kmaldo, where I talk a lot about TV and movies. You can find me at kmaldo on Twitter and Facebook. And if you add a one at the end of that on Instagram, I also recently launched a podcast called Pop Culture Planet, which Steffi has been on and she will be on again very soon talking about more teen movies. So if you enjoyed what we've been talking about. I think by the time this episode airs, I might 
might have already done that yes so you should go look for it and check it out but yeah we're gonna dive into more teen movies it could kind of be like i guess like a our final closing paragraph of this entire series in a way (laughs) oh man um and yeah that you know i'm just always talking about pop culture always talking about representation and inclusion so if you like that kind of stuff you can check me out yes everybody go check out Kristen. she does amazing work subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the youtube channel and if you want to subscribe to us here on diva dailies make sure you're following us on twitter and instagram we're at diva dailies pod you can also email us diva dailies pod at gmail.com and then you could leave us a voicemail if you want to 714-729-3121 and don't forget to give the podcast a nice rating and review and yeah that's pretty much it Kristen thank you so much for joining me over the past couple of weeks again thank it's been you so fun having you on here with me we have to have you again yes at some point <laughs> I don't know when that is yet but at some point you will be coming back so sounds good thank you thank you so much for joining me of course and with that being said remember divas so the thing is a diva has to be good at what she does <laughs>